right. Discussions of truth. You've tuned into Winwood Radio. Today happens to be Wednesday, and it is 5.01 Eastern Standard Time. That is p.m. I'm your host of this weekly program. I am its founder. I'm its inceptor. Why? Because Zika came ashore in Miami, whatever that is, and whatever that means. And if you've never heard of that, check it out. Because... It's controversial. So here we are a year and a half later, more than a year and a half, going on two years now. Definitely about two years ago when the whole Zika virus struck that led me to start this show in January of 17. Again, I am your host, Ian Trottier, and... Follow me on Twitter, should you like. I urge you to. Follow me on Instagram. Both those handles. I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Let me start off and say Gretchen Peters was phenomenal last week. I bring on each week. I strive to bring to you an incredibly controversial guest that'll help kind of push you to question those that govern you. And I use that term very firmly because I want you to feel like you are being governed because you are. But is that the way... If you're an American, your constitution was written. It starts out, I'm pretty sure, with we, the people. Every man created equal, more or less. That's why Martin Luther King started such a phenomenal movement in the 60s, was it? To give every human being those inalienable rights that are really fed in to that U.S. Constitution. I bring this up continuously on this program because your Constitution is gravely threatened. That's according to guests like Paul Craig Roberts, who on this show said, you no longer have constitutional rights, Ian. Leading economist in his day, that's, well, he's still alive, so today's his day as well, but that's in the early 80s, mid-80s, late 80s, and the 90s. He was a lead economist under the Reagan administration. Former fellow at Stanford Hoover, that's Palo Alto, also a fellow at Oxford. So he knew a thing or two about what he was talking about. How does economics parallel into legal rights and constitution. You've probably heard the term money makes the world go around. That's how. So yeah, so I started down the Zika trail and that quickly led me into the different fingers that are 
part of the pie of something in the United States we call, we proudly, right, don't we? We proudly call our Federal Reserve. Yet as we elect our political officials, how is it that the members of the Federal Reserve are masked from our knowledge? Does that sound right to you? Does that sound just? As you're seeking justice, does that sound just to you? Does that sound free to you? Well, if you listen to this episode and you can tell me who the members of the Federal Reserve are, I'd like to hear from you. And I'm pretty sure that most of all the guests that have been on this program, that includes Nobel Peace Prize nominee Daniel Daniel Estelin, who joined me two weeks ago, I'm pretty sure, as he extensively wrote about the Bilderberg Group, and actually became Spain's number one selling author for 49 weeks because of it. He sold millions of copies of his book. I'm pretty sure he'd like to hear from you as well. In the Shadows of a Presidency, that's his latest book about the shadows of the presidency, those who put Trump into power. Because if you think, which I question, that the United States really has a just voting system. I mean, weren't there hanging chads? I broadcast from you out of Miami. I'm originally a Cal- I'm a Californian, but I've been in Miami for a little while. Weren't there hanging chads back at the uh, that that Bush Gore election? So if you think somehow your voting system is completely uncontroversial or completely legitimate. That's why I do this show for you. Okay, that's 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 why I come on to this this th- these airwaves here at winwoodradio.com. That's why I come on to these airwaves every week and bring a guest for you to listen to and for you to have your father listen to and your mother listen to and your aunt, and your uncle, and your grandmother, and your niece, and your daughter, and your your child, and your friend, your neighbor, to have people, average everyday people like me and like you, to listen to somebody like a Paul Craig Roberts or like a Daniel Lesson. Again, he's a Nobel Peace Prize nominee. And see what they have to say. Because as far as I see the world, and that's from you know, Ian's view, Ian's eyesight, It seems like the United States Constitution is the most perfect governing document ever written because it's given people a place to come to and to live free and in liberty and justice and to speak their mind and to write their mind and to sing their mind and whatever they want to do. That's what the United States, to me, represents as a beacon for the rest of the world. And if you think that's incorrect, then, yeah, you probably shouldn't be listening to this program. And I urge you to go back to your Fox News or go back to your MSNBC and go back into your little cubbyhole. And go back into your sense of creating divisions. 
and divides. But that in my that is that is contrary to how I see this country, which is a united country. And what is it united under? Under what grounds? Why is it united? Under inalienable rights. Under cornerstone rights that I've been mentioning now for about nine minutes. Freedom of speech, freedom of press. Hey, and let's not forget the Mayflower. A very key cog here, freedom of religion. This isn't a political show. It's not a religious show. But as far as Lady Liberty stands, over there in the harbor next to in, in Manhattan, right out, off the Hudson is it, I believe. As far as Lady, Lady Liberty does stand, you have your right to... To practice any religion that you want in this country, as long as it's peaceful and as long as it's loving. Okay, so that's my issue. That's my so Gretchen Peters last week. What did she do? You probably never heard of her. You probably never heard of Daniel Esterlin. That these people have taken the authorities above them to task, which is what we and you, the people, must do. So, the war on terror? Well, she hit the ground as, I'm going to say a beat reporter. I don't know if that's what it was. But she hit the ground as a correspondent for ABC News in Afghanistan. She says, this isn't a war on terror. This is a war on drugs, on opium, heroin. Listen to that episode. That was a week ago. And two weeks ago, again, Daniel Estulin. Oh, and by the way, three weeks before that, Six-term U.S. Congresswoman Cynthia McKinney joined Winwood Radio because she, being the first black woman to ever sit in that position from Atlanta, from Georgia, not Atlanta, from Georgia, she too has an issue. What it really, what it really comes down to, is 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 that she has an issue on the way that the finances are run in this country because, like I said, the Federal Reserve, it's not so transparent. So you can you can look at any conspiracy that you want. Abraham Lincoln conspiracy, a JFK conspiracy, a 9-11 conspiracy. But look at some of the facts. Look at some of the CIA facts. Okay? Reason why a guy like John Kiriakou has been on this program twice. Because he called out the Bush administration on waterboarding, on torture. So there are people out there that are willing to step up in the name of honesty, in the name of truth, in the name of what is right. And if we all don't do that, then we'll continue drowning. In this uh, unfortunate sea level that seems to be rising. Okay. Next week, we will be joined with Colonel Robert Buzz Patterson, United States Air Force retired, a former military combat pilot, distinguished White House military aide, best selling author. That's New York Times best selling author. I've had, I've been very fortunate. This program has been very fortunate, and there have been more than one New York Times best selling author. Uh, on, on, on this program. 
Okay, and uh, and a matter of fact, uh, Stephen Kinzer, I believe, is a New York Times bestselling author, and John Perkins, former New York Times bestselling author. Well, yeah, yet again, we'll have a New York Times bestselling author. This time, Buzz is going to be talking about something called dereliction of duty under Bill Clinton. He's no lightweight. Colonel Patterson was operational commander for all military units assigned to the White House under Bill Clinton, which included Air Force One, Marine One, Camp David, and the White House Transportation Agency will get his story next week. We're going to follow that up in September with Sam Faddis. Beyond Repair is the title of his book, Beyond Repair. The Decline and the Fall of the Central Intelligence Agency. Look, anything in the U.S. government, anything in government, and if you're listening over, uh, overseas, you can, uh, uh, I mean, I'm in Miami, so there's, you know, there's, a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of Spanish-speaking uh, folks down here that come from different countries, i.e. Cuba, i.e. Venezuela. Okay, so it, regardless, if you're listening internationally and you're coming and you come from a, a, a government, a country where the government seems to be grabbing you by the throat and, 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 and stranglehold and, and got a stranglehold on your life and your taxes and the way you talk and the way you think, I urge you to change that. I, I'm acting completely within my rights, as far as I know, to speak my mind. I, I, I completely within my eyes, and and, and and as far as Sam Faddis is concerned, we'll hear exactly why he's saying this CIA is falling. And let me let me tell you, let me let me let me just let me just pose this to you: the U.S. Constitution falls, the United States falls, every every great civilization has Rome. I mean, even it still stands in many parts, but the Roman Empire, Greece. Every great civilization has, and I'm not suggesting the United States is falling. I'm not suggesting it's going to fall. But we know that there is definitely division, and there's definitely controversy. And, and 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 my message to you is, if you're an American, stand up. If you're if you're a if you're a human being, and regardless of what country you are, stand up for what you think is right, and stand up to seek out the, the truth. And destroy corruption. So, let's jump into today's guest. Because holy shmoly, I've got a freaking great show for you. Do you like watching movies? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, somebody just recommended a new Spike Lee movie to me. Uh, first black cop in Colorado Springs infiltrating the Ku Klux Klan. Sounds like an interesting story to me. Okay, I love movies. Yeah, it's nothing. Nothing like sitting down on the potato couch and uh, and watching it, watching a good sitcom, is there? Right? There's nothing wrong with that. Until we realize, oh goodness, could 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 we be could we be being fed messages that change our view, that brainwash us? Oh boy, oh boy, Ian. There might be. There might be. And again, you can trail all this to the Zika virus. For me, anyway. You can trail it all to the Zika virus. So I'm, I'm just as innocent as, 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 as any of you listening. Uh, but we will momentarily be hosting Jay Dyer on the program. 
And that's the question. Is, is, is Hollywood brainwashing your reality? What's reality TV? What is that? Right? Trump was uh, <laughs> Trump hosted a, a, a very successful reality TV. Your current U.S. president, right? So, what, what is uh, what is reality TV? What and, and, and could Hollywood be brainwashing the way that you see that you live your life? Charlotte Eisenberg certainly knows that that's accurate. With a current U.S. president fresh off a hit reality TV series prior to election to a former twice-elected president of the Screen Actors Guild and Ronald Reagan. Are these coincidences? How much does Hollywood influence our day-to-day life? It is apparent since the 1980s that his ability to ripple waves throughout national politics. So, is Hollywood brainwashing you and your children? Okay, yeah, I, 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 I'll be the first one out there to say I love Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse. Okay. Sure. I mean, hey, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we're not being somehow tainted to go out and buy a product. Do you have a problem with that? I mean, I think Jay's dove dove, dived into this a little bit more. So we're going to hear from him shortly on his book, Esoteric Hollywood, the disturbing and real element of life in Hollywood. Dyer describes what he's discovered about how certain symbols, cult references, and subliminal sexual abuse messages appear in what you and your child read, watch, and hear in many of these multi-million dollar productions. Messages you perhaps don't realize you're absorbing. Cutting to a quick break. And we will be returning with Jay Dyer on this program. You're tuned into Winwood Radio. I am the host of the weekly program, Discussions of Truth. Ian Hamilton Trottier. Again, follow me on Twitter at that handle, Ian Trottier, and or on Instagram at Ian Trottier. Find my new book. Buy my new book. It's 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 about it's about as cheap as a, a, a plate of beans and rice. Buy my new book, uh, Freedom Reserved. No more lies. You you can get that right on my website. That's iantrottier.com. I n t r o t t i e r. dot com. Coming to Metallica. Right back with you, Jada. Yes, Metallica Seek and Destroy. That is exactly what I urge all of you to do is seek out any type of corruption. 
and destroy it. We have Jay Dyer online. Jay, can you hear me? How about now, Jay? Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome to Windward Radio, and thanks for joining in this this afternoon. Tell listeners for a moment a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Are you in, I'm assuming you're in Southern California. No, actually, uh, I'm I'm in the southern U.S. presently, and what I do is uh, I write about film and philosophy and geopolitics and conspiracy, and on top of that, I also do a TV show called Hollywood Decoded, and I also do a YouTube channel that's fairly popular, just called Jay's Analysis or Jay Dyer. So uh, that's what I do. I've been doing it for many years now, and I'm writing presently my second book. It's just now sent to the publisher, the manuscript, and that's the sequel to Esoteric Hollywood Sex, Cults, and Symbols in Film. Fantastic. Jay, what, what, is, um, what got you going into looking, looking into this? Uh, that yeah. is Esoteric Hollywood. Well, basically, I always loved movies growing up, and then when I got into doing college, I, I decided to study philosophy, and that uh, paralleled very well with film classes that I was taking at the same time. So I noticed a lot of parallels between you know, the arts, obviously, and, and people's worldviews, but at the same time, I was watching a lot of Alex Jones back at the time, 2003, 2004. I was looking at a lot of inside job material related to, some, you know, like 9-11, things like this, and eventually, I uh, started noticing that films tell us quite a bit, and uh, went down a long rabbit hole and did a, a master's thesis on James Bond and Ian Fleming and the basically the black operations that Ian Fleming was involved in, which he actually wrote into the Bond stories. And that's kind of what become a, a rough template for what I would do in the book is after many years of blogging, I kind of took what I learned in, my, in writing my thesis and kind of implemented that into essays about film. And the book became basically a... a Roger Ebert on acid. I don't know how else to describe it. It's 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 basically everything to do with film, philosophy, and conspiracy. Well, that, that's very interesting that you that you that you, it, 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 the Ian Fleming novels. A lot of people don't realize that Ian Fleming was actually a British intelligence officer, and right. and, and the 007, What people don't don't it, it is actually is actually based off of a an actual uh, a, a secret intelligence officer. Uh, under uh, I think it was Queen Victoria. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And the, and he signed he signed his envelopes two zeros and a seven. That and the two zeros is actually two O's for for eyes mm-hmm. for your right. eyes only. Maybe you want to talk a little bit more about that. It does. It goes back to the Victorian period. Uh, there was John D was one of the spies, and it was actually John D who was also an occultist who utilized the zero zero seven as a way to signify that he was the one, you know, sending the messages to the queen. So you're absolutely right that the, the entire history of British intelligence goes back to this kind of stuff. And I do mention that in the book. I do get into that material. I, I get into that history and how, you know, not just not just secret societies, but also espionage ties into this because the history of espionage is intimately bound up with secret societies because they're all interested in trafficking hidden and secret information. That's really what both of these these groups do. And there's a lot of overlap, especially in history. You mentioned, you know, going back to the Vic- Victorian Elizabethan era, et cetera. Uh, the, the, there were spies that, that worked in the theater back in Shakespeare's time. So this has been, there's been a long interplay between, between stagecraft and statecraft. And that's part of what at least 80, 80 pages of the book towards the end deal with specifically that question. And uh, Hitchcock films, uh, 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 um, 
the Bond films and how they they relate to that parallel. So obviously, as as Americans, we speak uh, the English language, which means we have obviously a, a lot of influence from the country of England. What was interesting to me is a couple of weeks ago, the, this show hosted a Nobel Peace Prize nominee. He was best-selling author in uh, in Spain uh, for forty nine weeks. He sold millions of copies of his book. His book that that he's looked into the Bilderberg uh, meetings. His mm-hmm. name is Daniel Estelin. And mm-hmm. what caught me interesting is that is that is that his books. Are complete, even though he's a, he was a number one selling author for 49 weeks in England, his books are completely banned in England, and no major U.S. publisher will sign him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and again, he talks about the Bilderberg Group. So, mm-hmm. what the segue in here is that what caught, caught my interest with was that somewhere along the line, Alex Jones and the research that Alex Jones was doing, and he's now uh, being incredibly censored. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. But what Alex Jones was doing with the Bohemian Grub and the Bilderberg Group caught your eye. So, how did you make a tie into uh, Hollywood? Well, like I said, when I was doing uh, undergrad and I took some film classes, we actually did a, a, a whole series based on Oliver Stone films. And if you do a focus on Stone, you're obviously going to be dealing with the bridge between reality and fiction and how Hollywood presents those things, because that's actually a big part of of, uh, of what Oliver Stone does. So um, I, I, I took that class. I was kind of blown away. And then I when I started writing my film essays and started blogging, that came out in the writing. I was really interested in how movies like Eyes Wide Shut by Kubrick, for example, detail you know real news events that are, that are just now coming out in the news. Like we we see this stuff about the Nexium sex cult and Smallville actress Allison Mack, and how that had a lot a lot of elite tie-ins. And this really seems to parallel very closely to what Kubrick was telling us in Eyes Wide Shut. Um, so not just Kubrick, but also other films by, like I said, Hitchcock, David Lynch movies have the same theme of of sex parties of the elite and this kind of stuff. So um, I actually, you know, I'm familiar with Daniel Estelin. and I've read a lot of his books. He also influenced me as well. Um, I read his Bilderberg book a long time ago. Uh, and, and Daniel uh, Esselin has supported me quite a bit by tweeting out my material. And we have the same publisher, so so uh, I'm very familiar with his work. I'm glad you mentioned him because he, I think, is instrumental in trying to understand the real workings of the world. And really the thesis of my book is just that there's this irony that you can go all the way back to uh, World War One. British spies, for example, Graham Greene, they were actually writing into the fiction more about reality than they were putting into, say, you know, news pieces or newsprint because you could get away with more in fiction due to the official secrets act than you could if you tried to write a factual quote-unquote story so this is why historically uh, all the way back to world war one and british intelligence then you got more truth in the fiction stories than you did in the fact quote-unquote faction stories and we even see this in something like uh, movies like three days of the condor with robert redford where you know his job at, at the cia is basically to read through fiction stories to try to see what messages are being being relayed or coded and that's kind of what i did although not necessarily just from an intelligence standpoint but also from a comparative religion standpoint you know i mentioned eyes wide shut that that's actually dealing with sex cults, right? This kind of stuff that we now know goes on pretty, pretty rarely, regularly in Hollywood. So I just saw all of these these seemingly disparate realms tying in together. Interesting. What what's been the most eye opening discovery that that you've made in in your career? What's been the one thing that kind of jumps out at you and says, "Oh my gosh, uh, th- this is just appalling," and it's kind of fueled your fire? That pretty much anything that I could think of as a uh, 
I mean, not every conspiracy, obviously some conspiracies are fake and they're part of disinformation, but all the ones that I could vet out that were, that do have some basis in reality, that there is a film version that presents the reality of that conspiracy. So, I mean, if you think of something like geoengineering, um, you know, there are very bizarre movies like The Avengers from 1998 with uh, Sean Connery and Uma Thurman. The whole plot of that movie is about geoengineering and engineering the climate. So that's one example. Um, I mean, there's movies that will hint at 9-11, this kind of stuff, false flags. There's There are films that will... Um, as I said, discuss sex trafficking and how that element of uh, the, the, the shadow government works. You know, pretty much any aspect of, of, of this world system that we're in is relayed in some film in some way. Uh, it might be cloaked. It might be kind of hidden. It might be kind of um, a little under the surface. You might have to do a little bit of digging. But there's some movie that usually explains how the world works. But is it accurate to say, Jay, that what some of these movies are doing is conditioning society? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, um, one of the things I talk about in the book that other authors have also discussed, I mean, specifically academics, so people from universities, Trisha Jenkins, the CIA in Hollywood, for example, these are very well-known books that discuss the relationship between the CIA, the Pentagon, and other agencies uh, in influencing movies to be used as propaganda. Now, this has gone on for a long time in my newest book, Esoteric Hollywood 2, I detail this going back to the figure uh, of, um, 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 well, pr particularly World War One with Hell's Angels, uh, movies like that that were specifically World War One era propaganda. So it's not something that even begins in World War II. It goes back to the Soviets, uh, Sergei Eisenstein, he did Soviet propaganda films, Battle of Potemkin, and so forth. So, so film has for a long time been used by uh, governments and intelligence agencies as a means of propaganda. It's just that most people aren't aware of this, and it's really only been in the past few years that a lot of this has made its way into even mainstream media. So, you know, we think of movies like Zero Dark Thirty, we think of movies like American Sniper. These have all had direct, you know, CIA, Pentagon consulting, funding, assistance, and so forth. And this has gone on, actually, for a long time. So where do you see, are you seeing any, any, any particular studio houses, MGM, Paramount, are you finding any particular um, houses that weigh more heavily to one side? Uh, anything popping out from, your, from, from what you're finding there? Um, the history of the different studios is, is pretty labyrinthine. I mean, you could kind of go down a bunch of different rabbit holes with that. Um, I do do a little bit of that in, in the second book, the forthcoming book. Um, in my first book, I don't really focus on the studios. I mainly just focus on the symbolism in the films themselves and what I deduce the, uh, you know, directors and, and, and screenwriters and production team might be trying to say with different, with different symbols and images. Um, but yes, there is an element definitely to which we look at the production and the studios as somewhat suspicious. Um, and many studio heads have actually had intelligence, uh, asset roles. Uh, so there's no, there's no denying that, but that's a very, very difficult question. But in terms of modern Hollywood, I would say that, you know, what we're looking at now is a lot of the, the studios are actually being bought up by foreign governments. So China, for example, has recently invested in a lot of the, the studios and they're, they're basically being bought up. So, so yeah, it's not a, it's not a simple answer there, but you're absolutely right that 
yes, there is a an element to which some studios do seem at times to have. And so, in fact, some studios have even been created by the FBI as fronts. Uh, there was there was a recent case of a of an independent studio out in L.A. Uh, the the story is in my book. I forget the exact name of the studio, but um, uh, they were actually a front for the FBI for spying on different uh, different illegal operations. Interesting. <laughs> That's that. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, okay. Now, what about what about the Council on Foreign Relations? Have you made any connections to? Uh, are you familiar with the Council on Foreign Relations? Have you made any connections to the Council sure. on Foreign Relations? Yeah, in fact, uh, I did a whole uh, eight-part lecture series on uh, Dr. Carol Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope, which is a 1,300-page history of the 20th century based around the CFR archives. He was, he was actually the, uh, the appointed archivist, you know, allowed to basically write the book from the perspective of the CFR. So um, I do have a lot of, of work based around that. I've read the entire book and lectured on it. People can check those lectures out on YouTube. But um, it did come into play in Esoteric Hollywood because maybe not back in the 60s so much, but uh, nowadays, yes, it's a little more transparent that people like Angelina Jolie, Jolie uh, have gone from being A-list actors or actresses, yeah. somebody like George Clooney as well, to actually having a direct role working with the CFR. So she is a CFR member. She's you know has met with uh, Richard Haas many times. They've had uh, meetings and discussions. She's had CIA training specifically. Um, so you're absolutely right to connect this to Hollywood because a big part of what the CFR does is uh, relays and controls media. So um, Hollywood is definitely one arm of, of media and the, the existing global structure that we have. And yes, absolutely, there's a connection between those two. In fact, uh, other actresses like Jennifer Garner, she's actually done CIA work uh, as a PR person for, for the CIA, um, you know, going directly from Alias, which is ironic because she plays a spy in Alias, and then she goes to work uh, for the CIA. So there's a lot of really interesting sort Overland. of double parallel, yeah, where people who play spies actually may be spies. Yeah, and 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 for listeners that aren't familiar with Carol Quigley, uh, is is this my understanding is that Carol Quigley was was a uh, as a mentor of uh, President Bill Clinton? Absolutely, yes. Uh, he was his mentor at Georgetown, and you'll find that a lot of the control structure comes out of academia. In fact, David Price has a recent book called Weaponizing Anthropology, and in that book. Uh, which I'll be lecturing on next in my series, my globalist book series. Uh, David Price details a lot of, of intelligence agents that uh, coordinate with universities. So this all one big giant octopus system, as you know, Daniel Estelin <laughs> wrote about the octopus system that runs our world. Um, that's exactly what it is. And, and uh, Dr. Quigley was a, a mentor. He was also, uh, as I said, CFR archivist. And my understanding is that this book was basically given to the Tragic Hope was written for people that are coming into being in the managerial class of the system, people who were going to be important CEOs, people who were going to be, uh, you know, CIA operatives and so forth, who might be wondering, hey, why are we actually in this Cold War? Because it was written in the 60s. Why are we funding communists? Why are we funding socialists? I thought we were fighting the good war against the commies. And so Dr. Quigley has a lengthy explanation in this 1,300-page book saying, well, here's why we do this. That's because they're actually 
part of the dialectic. We actually control a lot of these people. They're part of controlled opposition, right? So the socialists, the leftists, and so forth that that uh, many of the Cold Warriors war, uh, uh, warned about, you know, somebody like McCarthy or somebody like that, or the John Birch Society, Quigley actually ironically says, yeah, the JBS and these people are kind of right, but they don't realize that it's actually big oligarchical families that are funding this. So, so the big money, the big power, they actually fund both the left and the right, and that's actually the, the main thesis of Quigley's tragedy and hope. In fact, there's a the most important chapter is not just the the chapter towards the end where he talks about the left and the right being controlled, but the middle chapter where he talks about the coming uh, managerial technocracy, and he says that this is what has been agreed on as the new coming global government. Incredible. And are there are there any? Jay, are there any banking organizations that stick out at you as being primary funders of uh, Hollywood or some of the projects that you've studied in Hollywood? Well, they would be definitely some of the same uh, powerful interests that Quigley's talking about that would also have certainly a hand in Hollywood. Um, I know that a lot of times you could actually find story, mainstream stories that talk about different uh, studios being uh, operating as fronts for money laundering and that kind of stuff. But um, uh, yeah, I would say that you could definitely trace certain big banking interests. I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if anyone comes to to the four. Um, that's a good question. I don't know about giant banking houses directly relating to Hollywood, but I'm sure it's there. I know that, for example, if you went back to RKO Pictures, that is a, a Rockefeller uh, power interest. Interesting. Um, yeah, so RKO was, was at one time owned by the Rockefellers, then it was owned by Joe Kennedy, uh, and then passed on into different hands. Um, and I think that was the one... Uh, one example that I can think of off the top of my head, but uh, certainly all of the 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 big studios, MGM and so forth, they're all they're all going to have some kind of connection like that. Um, as well as uh, we, the deeper you get into this, the more you find out. Oh, well, this is actually a lot of this is connected to Las Vegas. A lot of it's connected to the mafia. It all kind of intertwines into a giant cog system, and right. and none of it's disconnected. Basically, you go you go and then and then you feed into the trilateral commission. Perhaps. Right, trilateral was uh, uh, David Rockefeller basically spotted Zbigniew Brzezinski uh, as a an up and coming technocrat. He really liked his book Between Two Ages, which I have uh, some lectures on, and he appointed him to a new commission um, called the Trilateral Commission. I think in 1973, and it was David Rockefeller and Henry Kissinger who chose Zbigniew Brzezinski to to be that to play that role. So that's yet another uh, Rockefeller created institution. So Jay, what are what are some of the current? Uh, let me let me run uh, let me run a name by you, and um, and 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 I don't I don't know that he necessarily has had an influence on any Hollywood connected issues. But what I'm trying to connect here are uh, you know Harvey Weinstein. I don't know if you looked into looked into that at all, or, or some of the pedophilia that. Uh, you want okay. to come, but let me let me before 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 uh, before you uh, listeners n- n- kind of know what what your thoughts on that. Um, Colonel Michael Aquino does does that name kind of uh, surface for you? Yeah, I'm aware of him. Um, have you made any connection to any influence that he, he may have in Hollywood? I mean, uh, of course, uh, of course, MK Ultra. Uh, the Ulfit Air, Air Air Force Base, uh, child child uh, pornography uh, or, or pedophilia linked in, linked to Nebraska, uh, the Franklin, uh, uh, the Franklin yeah. Voice. But uh, um, go ahead. 
Well, off the top of my head, uh, you know, the, the first obvious connection that comes to mind is basically just the fact that uh, that you know his his group came out of the Church of Satan and Anton LaVey, and Anton LaVey certainly had a wide breadth of uh, Hollywood connections. So you know he's he was directly connected to Jane Mansfield, Sammy Davis Jr. You know they were they were certainly members of the Church of Satan, um, and that's the milieu from which. Aquino comes out, uh, but off the top of my head, I'm not immediately cognizant of, of a specific connection between Aquino himself and, and people from Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, I, and, and, and I, I, I try not to get political or, or certainly religious in, 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 any, in any way, and, 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 and these are people that have made incredible contributions in their, in their own right, um, but certainly if—, uh, if, if the, Marina Abramovic, is, that's another kind of person. Uh, have you made any connection to, mm-hmm. uh, to her in, in your studies? Well, actually, yeah, we did some uh, radio shows about three years ago, and we talked about Marina Abramovich as most likely some kind of witch um, before actually all the you know Podesta spirit cooking stuff came out. Right. So we were a little bit ahead of the curve on Marina Abramovich, mainly because I was watching what Lady Gaga was into, Interesting. and Lady Gaga was was doing a lot of um, you know she has obviously a lot of occultic and, and sort of esoteric right. and dark symbolism in her stuff. And I was wondering, well, who is she working with? Where is she getting ideas? And she was three years ago saying, oh, I'm, I love Marina Abramovich. She's the greatest performance artist. Blah blah. So I actually looked into that. We did some shows on Boiler Room about her um, before all this. And yeah, I think that uh, there's no doubt that uh, Abramovich is, you know, influenced by Crowley, influenced by the same kind of sex cult underground that uh, seems to, to really dominate Hollywood. Um, So yeah, there's, there's definitely a connection there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and like you mentioned, uh, Helena uh, Blavatsky. I mean, you didn't mention mm-hmm. her, but uh, but these are you know some of the uh, some of the people. So so so. Okay. Let's let's get into Harvey Weinstein. Bring listeners up to date onto what you may know about Weinstein. Look, and yeah, I mean, it's these people can practice whatever they want as long as it's uh, as long as it's within legal bounds. But but certainly, uh, you know, uh, uh, having uh, having intercourse or sexual relations with with uh, with with uh, somebody underage is 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 illegal, and that mm-hmm. needs to be. You know that they need to be uh, taken taken to justice for that, but uh, and, and I think that's the, the issue here with uh, Harvey Weinstein, is it not? Yeah, but the irony with Weinstein yeah. is that uh, the news in the past two days actually seems to vindicate the thesis, the analysis that I've had of that uh, over the last several months since all that stuff broke, which is the the news related to Asia Argento, who is of course the daughter of Dario Argento, who's the director of the famous horror movie Suspiria. Um, actually, we covered his Suspiria in my Esoteric Hollywood podcast series uh, two or three years ago as well, which is very deeply occultic, uh, deals with human sacrifice, witchcraft, and so forth. Um, and so it's it's very bizarre that, you know, again, you'll see the artwork tends to parallel people's worldviews. But in the case of A.G. Ar- Argento, who was one of the uh, primary accusers of Weinstein and kind of the ground swelling of the so-called Me Too movement, yeah. Uh, it's now come out that Asia Argento actually, you know, had to pay off uh, a, a famous uh, a sex case where she, you know, paid off somebody who was underage, basically. Um, so so the, and, and that's actually vindicating what I said was going on, which was that um, I don't know the specifics of Harvey Weinstein's situation. I know there's a lot of women who've, who've accused him of basically, uh, you know, casting couch type stuff. But everybody already knew this. You know, Marilyn Monroe used to talk about this publicly about the casting couch. None of that's a surprise. What I think is that the the Weinstein situation basically covers up the 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 pedo stuff, 
And that's what they did with Me Too was they shifted it over into, oh, feminism, feminism, feminism. And that actually just deflects from the real uh, problems that, you know, Corey Feldman and other people have talked about, which is the pedophilia in Hollywood. Um, so that the, the recent news in the past couple of days in relationship to Asia Argento actually seems to, to back up that thesis because she was uh, she's not this moral crusader. She made herself out to be. Uh huh. Are are there are there are there are there uh, societies in Hollywood that are conducting themselves in a way that 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 influence um, influence information that the general public uh, gets in a way that parents, for instance, should be uh, should be concerned about various images or or messages uh, how how can how can parents out there as they've got their child down on the you know watching watching a disney movie um i mean it, this is a cold hard fact it's 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 uh, it's it's you know it's it, we don't really want to go down this road because uh like i like i had said in the intro uh, uh, not to you but to, to this show yeah everybody loves a mickey mouse and a donald duck but but there 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 certainly are uh, there certainly are messages that are being conveyed through um, through these 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 uh, movies that we're seeing. What mm-hmm. should parents be looking for? What should they be watching for? You know, they might be receiving messages they don't even realize that they're receiving. They're subliminal type messages. Yeah, all of that is possible, and there are examples of all that. And yes, even in children's programming. Uh, I mean, some of this has recently come out in relationship to stuff that was on Adult Swim and. Uh, you know, there was, there was seemingly illegal content that, uh, um, what was that one, sh- that one cartoon, uh, Rick and Morty actually was involved. Uh, I think, uh, uh, articles have come out criticizing, um, questionable content in Rick and Morty. Um, and even though it's a cartoon for adults, obviously, you know, being a cartoon, it does tend to probably appeal to kids. Sure. So yeah. Uh, and yes, you're right to look at big corporations like Disney, which have uh, had a history of very bizarre children's stuff, um, occultic stuff, and so forth. So really, I would say what parents need to look out for is all of it. All of it is, uh, in some way, most of the time, um, dangerous for, for children especially. Um, that's actually something I haven't focused a lot on. I don't personally have kids, so I don't have a whole lot of... Uh, I don't spend a lot of time watching, you know, uh, children's material, but I have yeah. had quite a few parent parents over the years ask me, like, "Well, what's safe for my kids to watch?" And I would say, none of it. <laughs> wow, wow, interesting. Uh, uh, Jay, what is what is your what what is the primary message uh, of 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 your initial um, book, uh, Esoteric yeah. Hollywood, versus uh, the new message in Esoteric Hollywood too? The first book dealt with basically the the big directors. Uh, what was Kubrick trying to tell us um, in his big films like The Shining, Eyes Wide Shut, Two Thousand One? What are the, what are the underlying philosophical or uh, religious or esoteric meanings behind those movies? Because uh, a lot of people find those movies very difficult to understand. So I put forth you know theses that most people seem to resonate with. They feel like I'm pretty much onto something. Um, the next 80 pages or so deals with Spielberg films. What's he trying to tell us with uh, aliens and UFOs and all this? Why is there such a reliance on the characters of H.G. Wells and these sort of classic uh, science fiction authors? Um, and I, I don't personally argue for UFOs. I kind of go against the, the UFO thesis as kind of social engineering is what I see it as. Uh, and then we get into a section, as I said, on Bond, 007, Hitchcock films. What, what's hidden there? 
uh, and then I get into um, f- films that relate to like Twin Peaks and David Lynch, which a lot of people also find very difficult. Uh, the second book is a little is a little different, where instead of going by directors, what I've done is I've gone by themes. So the move the, the, the book actually moves concentrically from kind of normal what's expected with Hollywood and the mafia and intelligence agencies and 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 this kind of stuff and how Hollywood treats so-called terror. And then we move out to a little bit crazier uh, where we deal with more cults and MKUltra and how has Hollywood told us both truth and lies about MKUltra, the mind control programs of the CIA. And then we move into the next layer, the next circle of eccentric, uh, uh, concentric craziness, which is uh, geoengineering. There's actually been quite a few movies, Bond movies even, that talk about geoengineering. Uh, And then we move to the final sphere, which is Hollywood transhumanism. Which, as you know, you know, Estelin has a book on transhumanism, and and uh, there's some parallel as well because Estelin has also written chapters that deal with Hollywood and transhumanism. So uh, we're going to be looking at movies that uh, that, that present, uh, you know, something like uh, the most famous, one of the most famous films of all time, Metropolis, uh, which which actually a hundred years ago kind of predicted the rise of AI and transhumanism. So so the the, the second book is essentially phases of of craziness and and what's really going on in Hollywood. So where do you see, uh, where do you see the future? Uh, where where do you see Hollywood in in, in, in ten years? And 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 uh, uh, yeah, the, the other thing I wanted to actually ask you was, uh, what's your um, what's your opinion on uh, what transpired on nine eleven for for Americans, and and how does that how does that relate to um, kind of where media is heading? It was if if there was any connection there. Um, your thoughts. The future of uh, Hollywood is that the studios are going, the studio system will basically be, be bought out and we're going to move to, you know, streaming. Um, obviously, that's already kind of kind of taking over. There will always still be production houses and there, there will be theaters, there will be IMAXs and all that. I don't think that's going away anytime soon, but um, we're definitely going to see a continual a decrease in traditional film production for for. Uh, operations like Netflix or Amazon Prime, so that's that's going to continue to to rise and and uh, and replace the older systems. Um, really, it's only comic book movies that are carrying Hollywood. You know, that's that's the blockbusters that that uh, that's all that's making money basically. Yeah. Um, and even Spielberg, Dustin Hoffman, the you know big big names have come out saying that the old studio system's dead. Hollywood's dying. It's going away. So we're going to move to something like that. Um, you know, video games are taking over. Video games are getting bigger than than a lot of the the uh, franchises in Hollywood. Um, wow. So that's the future as well. Um, and what was your second question? I forgot. The second well, question. we <laughs> we kind of we, yeah. I kind of I kind of construed a your opinion on nine eleven and how that oh, how that yeah. relates to uh, media. I think that uh, my view on 9-11 is that it was uh, definitely an inside job. I feel that there were uh, numerous corporate um, and international interests uh, that were interested in uh, basically creating, as the PNAC documents say, a an excuse for the next phase of uh, revitalizing or reorganizing, as we should we should say, uh, the, the Middle East. So um, it served many purposes. It didn't just serve the purpose of uh, re, uh, reorganizing uh, the Middle East. It also served the purpose, as you said, of of changing things domestically. So it's a big part of how we institute a new uh, extreme layer of the security state of surveillance. We get rid of the older ideas of 
you know, civil rights and, and, and civil liberties and all this kind of stuff. It's, so it, it plays multiple roles. It ties into, you know, oil company interests in the Middle East. It ties into uh, surveillance companies. Um, and it certainly ties into media. You're absolutely right there because media um, after 9-11 and actually some pretty mainline documentaries have, have demonstrated this, that after 9-11, you, you really saw a kind of moving everybody into line. You, you, in other words, the mainstream media no longer questions the establishment. After 9-11, they became almost a complete echo chamber. Uh, so even even prior to 9-11, you could find situations where uh, even mainstream outlets would at times be questioning the official government narrative. After 9-11, that's almost been completely done away. In other words, even uh, all of the mainstream outlets uh, are basically, they just read the memos that are given to them until the Trump administration. <laughs> uh, now that it's all completely against the Trump administration, but, but before the Trump administration, it was complete unanimity amongst all the mainstream outlets about, you know, about how to, uh, to treat the establishment. In other words, they quit being the fourth establishment. They became an echo chamber. And what are your thoughts on uh, on Donald Trump? I mean, here's here he's fresh off a uh, a hit reality TV show, and and now he steps into the uh, the Oval Office. I think Trump represents uh, one section of the power structure, one one faction of the elite that would like to see uh, a different kind of game plan enacted for going forward into the future. So. You have at times a kind of left socialist globalist elite, uh, you know, a Rockefeller, a Brzezinski, these kind, the technocrat. They want a, a more uh, Fabian socialist model, uh, what, what Quigley talked about, um, even though Quigley presents himself as a so-called Democrat. Uh, it's not democratic at all. It's a completely uh, uh, top-down, brave new world type structure. Uh, Trump represents an older Americana view for the world, um, civic nationalism and so forth. And that probably ties into, uh, you know, a smaller faction of the elite, an older faction of the elite um, that's not in line with this completely globalist model. So it's not that Trump's an angel. It's not that he's uh, our, our new Jesus or our savior or anything like that. But it does represent some kind of manifestation, I would say, of uh, a disagreement about how to run the world. And have you have you at all made any connections to and, and we're we're painting with very broad strokes here, but but basically what we what we are seeing is through the decades we are seeing a uh, a, a shrinkage of the uh, of the power consensus that controls media. Um, so for listeners yeah. to understand, from from like in the eighties we had maybe. 80 large corporations that owned all mass right. media outlets. In 2018, we have maybe six. Exactly. So our information, whether we realize it or not, is being completely skewed. And I use the term brainwashed because I think that's fairly accurate. But what... What I wanted to ask, Jay, was you, you've made connections to the Council on Foreign Relations. You've made connections to uh, the Bilderberg. Um, uh, obviously, Alex Jones um, uh, touched on a lot of elements for you early on to get these uh, mm -hmm. get these books going for you. Um, have have has any uh, has any research resonated with the um, with uh, the uh, the Society out of Yale? 
that the Bush, Bush and Kerry, and many of the uh, many of some of the the the, the elites in, in the government uh, called skull and bones. As, as uh, you found any roads uh, heading back there, and then even into uh, Germany uh, in Adam Weishaupt. Of course, this is this is decade. You know, we're looking at a couple centuries old, and most people that most people that listen uh, to me are kind of like, you know, how, Ian, how can you go so far back historically? But one of the things I say is, hey, look, you know, the the, the Queen of England's been in power for uh, how long's it been? It's uh, sixty years, you know, decades. Mm-hmm. So some of these monarchical uh, families, especially out of Europe, they've been in power mm-hmm. for many, 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 many years, and 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 and, and, and some instances centuries. Um, so in that in in that regard, it's very prevalent because we're a very young country in that in that sense. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, my publisher produces uh, Anthony Sutton's book, the classics, uh, America's Secret Establishment, Skull and Bones, and and you know Yale University, Skull and Bones, the the Eastern Elite Establishment. That's the same power structure that Quigley was writing about, and that's where you get the CIA from. The CIA is essentially, you know, the the, the spooks are the the, the Eastern Establishment elite brought in through skull and bones and so not it's not always skull and bones people in the cia but that's the origins of it um and yes lodge 322 this goes back to uh you know a kind of international structure that comes out of uh the oss comes out of um the old drug networks um and this has been written about as well by different people who discuss the history of espionage and the oss kind of taking over the old opium networks that the uh, french intelligence ran when they controlled the drug trade for at least certain at least in certain areas so yes that is that is where the where the the big families the big oligarchs come from is the drug trade uh and that's how they got power and that's how they run the planet is by controlling these different markets and networks so does it go back to adam weishop uh it loosely does and so far as the illuminists uh if you read terry Melanson's book perfectibilis the illuminists did infiltrate certain masonic lodges uh, and skull and bones is roughly connected to a global structure of lodges so so yes, in a way, but uh, not everybody at Skull and Bones, for example, or Yale University, has the same right. philosophical perspective of Weishaupt and his cohorts, who were essentially uh, uh, Enlightenment rationalists. They had a very Voltaire-type rationalistic view of the world, scientism, and so forth. Um, but yes, loosely they are connected because actually Quigley says that it was uh, French, Protestant, Swiss, and Jewish banking interests that funded the Illuminists in the French Revolution, who are who who were the students of Weishaupt. Interesting. There's a lot. There's a lot of kind of like you you mentioned earlier. It's it's there's a lot of different connecting elements, uh, like like an octopus. Uh, but uh, but 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 try to keep uh, try to keep a balanced. Uh, a, a balanced approach. Um, how do you see? And we'll close out here uh, in, in, in a few moments. How do you mm-hmm. see um, media, and and it relates to uh, relates to your emphasis on. Um, uh, I'm presuming uh, your efforts to um, expose or bring to light uh, esoteric elements of of Hollywood. How do you see? Um, what I think is very important in the continuation of, uh, of, of, of media in this country, and that would be freedom of 
uh, freedom of press and 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 before that it becomes freedom of freedom of speech. Um, I and and how, so how do you how do you see that in 2018? And then um, and then you know in, in regards to uh, in regards to your writings about esotericism in in Hollywood. Well, I, I one of the things that I do that's that's arguably even more popular than than the book is that I do a lecture series about globalist books. And what I do is I just read the writings of the globalists and then summarize them and lecture on them. So I've, I've, I'm through about 16 or 17 of those presently. All those lectures, uh, in, at least the first halves of them, are public on YouTube. Um, and one of the things that's talked about is the end of free speech. And this will be done through the technocracy. Now, we've talked about that, my, my associates and I. We've talked about this for years. We've warned about it. And uh, it's no surprise then that my website was actually taken down last week. So wow. I caused quite a bit of a stink on this, as big of a stink as I could online, um, because uh, it was specifically censorship. I was never given any explanation. So a website wow. that um, had about a following of about 13,000 uh, and had a regular readership of about uh, one to 200,000 a month wow. uh, was just completely deleted. And I had an archive. It had been there for 10 years. had an archive of 800 essays I'd written, uh, all just taken down. So the last week has been pretty hellacious for me moving to uh, you know a new host and so forth and getting everything reestablished, still in the process of rebuilding. But the that's what I see, uh, that what we're seeing with Alex Jones being taken down. Yeah. Uh, Infowar my site was taken down the exact same hour that Infowars was taken down. Wow. Um, yeah, last week. And um, you can look at my Twitter feed to see all that still up. But um but yeah, that's the future, unfortunately, is that the tech companies want to institute the technocracy, which will completely control speech. Uh, and that's the danger here. Mm -hmm. uh, that's 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 striking. And I wasn't aware of uh, I wasn't aware of that with you. Uh, I've actually had two episodes taken completely deleted off of SoundCloud. Um, yeah. And uh, that was G. Edward Griffin and, and, and Paul Craig Roberts. They're, they're just totally no notification. They were they were just taken down. Yeah. Um, Jay, who who was your server by chance? And not that that really matters, but who was the server and who did you change to? Uh, I'm not going to say where I took it, but uh, no, it's it's WordPress.com, and in fact, WordPress uh, got part, quite a bit of attention this this uh, this last two weeks because it wasn't just me; they they actually took down quite a few people the same day, the same hour. Okay. So it was about uh, five or ten of us that were fairly 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 big sites. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Jay, I thank you for coming on Winwood Radio and joining Discussing Your Truth with Ian Trottier. Uh, give, us, give us some final thoughts, uh, some final thoughts of yours to go away with. I would just say uh, watch out for the technocracy. Stand up to the technocrats because they're going to keep trying to shut us down. They're going to keep trying to do this and support all the people that are being shut down because that's a good sign that they were they were telling the truth uh they were on to something or else they wouldn't be they wouldn't be being attacked yeah um and if anybody wants to help me rebuild if you want to get the book uh you can if you go to my twitter just type in jay dyer you'll find me on twitter there's about i don't know seven thousand followers there but uh, uh you'll find my, uh, my my links and my paypal and all that and if you just like write me a note or something in the email uh you know send me an email or whatever um you can you know i'll, I'll get i'll get you a book uh, I'll, unfortunately, the, the normal uh, store is down for purchasing the book, but I'll have it back up in the next week or two. But you can get to me through PayPal. I mean, through um, through Twitter if you want to support me. Excellent, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Dyer. Jay, thanks for joining the program. Thank you, folks. As you as you could hear him say, his 
website, his website was just deleted. <laughs> like Dane Wigington says, sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Jay's website was deleted, and he just had and he had a decade of work archived on it. That's censorship. That is tyranny. I'm cutting to a break. I'll be right back. You've turned into discussions of truth. I'm your host, Ian Trottier. This is Winwood Radio. Kirk Hammett on that. Great guitar there. I don't know who's who's stringing that. This is Discussion to Truth. I am your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. You have tuned into Winwood Radio. Wow. It's hard hitting. That's heavy. That's heavy. That's heavy to chew, isn't it? That's a heavy. 
That's a heavy uh, morsel to, to, to that's a heavy serving to take from the plate, but that's a reality. This is what this is what seems to be happening. Happening. This is not. Uh, this is this is not child's play. <laughs> Guard those children closely. Um, I'm going to read something for you as uh, as I close out, and it reads as follows. Speaking of WordPress, and, and I, I actually I don't know for one reason or the other I actually tend to stay away from WordPress, and it's uh, no particular reason. Uh, you can follow. You can find me on on WordPress, uh, but uh, but I I have a, a different server. I haven't had an issue with my server, uh, and and I just haven't. I don't publish much to WordPress. Um, no particular reason. Uh, I don't know if Alex Jones was. Uh, I, I, I don't know. In, in but evidently Jay Jay was, um, and that's a lot of information that uh, that was just deleted. This uh, came my way today. It's from a WordPress site, but this one is published out of Switzerland. And if you see my most recent tweet uh, at uh, 6.09 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Wednesday, August 22nd. So most, excuse me, most recent tweet is um, actually titled The American Empire. It's, It's a graph. Uh, American Empire and its media, and the reason the reason I was asking Jay uh, the questions that I that I did in regards to uh, 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 a the Bilderberg uh, Group and and b uh, the uh, CFR uh, uh, Council on Foreign Relations and um, and 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 then c uh, the Trilateral Commission. The, the reason the reason why. Um, is because they they all feed into. Um, one way or the other, um, how um, information is distributed. Now, um, my family happens to, um, part of my family, it dates back to Wyoming uh, in the uh, 1880s, I believe it was. Uh, uh, My ancestor, uh, Scottish ancestry, uh, immigrated through uh, Canada down into the United States uh, settling, uh, settling uh, parts of uh, Idaho and um, Utah and, and Wyoming. And um, Jackson Hole, in recent years, has become a meeting ground and playground for extremely elite, financially elite uh, individuals. And that's about 50 miles uh, northeast uh, of um, a, a valley that, that my ancestors settled. And in fact... Um, my great uncle was a um, U.S. senator um, from the state of Wyoming. Um, prior to that, he had been part of the U.S. Marshals uh, Service and uh, had a head of the Wyoming Highway Patrol. Why this is interesting is that the CFR, um, uh, Dick Cheney, uh, was um, a member of the CFR. And in fact, it's commonly known that he kind of, I'm going to use the word hid, whether it's accurate or not, I'm going to use it, hid um, that association that he had um, from the voters in Wyoming. There's a, there's a clip, you can find it on, you can Google it. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a commonly viewed um, clip uh, of him um, stating that. 
Okay. You connect the dots that you wish to connect. I certainly connect my own. But we're then getting back to WordPress and the article that came my way, a rather graph that I tweeted out, uh, called The American Empire and Its Media. So let me, let me, just, let me just mention this. This comes out of Switzerland. Why is, it, why is Switzerland interesting? Why is that interesting? Because Switzerland is basically ground neutral, if you will, to many elements. That is banking and media, right? They stay very neutral, the Swiss do. Um, and the um, and the 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 article that was sent my way reads as this: largely unbeknownst to the general public, and this will be my closing my closing comments. Largely unbeknownst to the general public, executives and top journalists of almost all major U.S. news outlets have long been members of the influential Council on Foreign Relations. And again, as you listen to me read this, remember that you live, if you're in the United States, in a republic with democratically elected officials, which means you are the government. I continue. Established in 1921 as a private bipartisan organization to awaken America to its worldwide responsibilities, the CFR and its close to 5,000 elite members have for decades shaped U.S. foreign policy and public discourse about it. As a well-known council member famously explained, they transformed the American Republic into a global empire, albeit a benevolent one. This is not my writing. Again, this is, if you, if you want to find them, they are Swiss, uh, Swiss propaganda research. And if you just Google it, WordPress, you get WordPress, that's, that's, that's them. So these are they were. These are their words. Based on official membership rosters, the following illustration, which I've tweeted, for the first time depicts, for the first time, this is July uh, last year, so it's a little bit old. Nonetheless, it is news if this is the first time you've been hearing about it and this is the first time I heard about it. Again, based on official membership rosters, the following illustration for the first time depicts the extensive media network of the CFR and its two main international affiliate organizations. Two main international affiliate organizations. The Bilderberg Group, covering mainly the United States and Europe, and the Trilateral Commission, covering North America, Europe, and East Asia, both established by council leaders to foster elite corporation at the global level. Again, I'm a very proud American. I have nothing wrong with this country. I love this country. No, I never served in the military. Uh, I've considered it many times. In fact, I'm joining the Marines, uh, joining the Air Force, becoming a a police officer, uh, the Coast Guard. Okay, I I love this country, and I want to support it, make sure it remains a beacon for all countries to follow. And that's why I do this show. In a column entitled Ruling Class Journalists, former Washington Post senior editor and ombudsman Richard Harwood described the council and its members approvingly as the nearest thing we have to a ruling establishment in the United States. Harwood continued, the membership of these journalists in the council, however they may think of themselves, is an acknowledgement of their active and important role in public affairs and of their ascension into the American ruling class, they do not merely analyze and interpret foreign policy for the United States. They help make it. They are part of that establishment, whether they like it or not, sharing most of its values and worldviews. However, 
media personalities constitute only about 5% of the overall CFR network. As the following illustration shows, and again, you can find that on my Twitter feed, key members of the Private Council on Foreign Relations have included several U.S. presidents and vice presidents, both parties, almost all secretaries of state, defense, and the treasury. Again, almost all secretaries of state, defense, and treasury. Many high-ranking commanders of the United States military and NATO, some of the most influential members of Congress, notably in foreign and security policy, almost all national security advisors, CIA directors, ambassadors of the UN, chairs of the Federal Reserve, emphasis on that, presidents of the World Bank, and directors of the National Economic Council, many prominent academics, especially in key fields such as economics and political science. If you're an American, again, I go back to the non-transparent Federal Reserve. Should it be transparent? You should decide, shouldn't you? Many top executives of Wall Street, policy think tanks, universities, NGOs, as well as key members of both, as well as key members of both, I'm going to repeat that one more time, as well as key members of both, and here it is, the 9-11 Commission and the Warren Commission. That's JFK. Ouch! Ouch! Switzerland. That's where this article comes from. Harvard economist and Kennedy supporter John K. Galbraith confirmed the council's influence. Those of us, quote, who had worked for the Kennedy election were tolerated in the government for that reason and had a say, but foreign policy was still with the Council on Foreign Relations people. End quote. No less than John J. McCloy, longtime chairman of the council and advisor to several U.S. presidents, recalled about his time in Washington, quote, whenever we needed a man, we thumbed through the role of the council members and put through a call to New York, hmm, CFR headquarters, also the headquarters of the U.N. The U.N. stands on ground donated, donated by the Rockefeller organization. German news magazine, Der Spiegel, once described CFR as, quote, the most influential private institution in the United States and Western world and a politburo of capitalism. Both the Roman-inspired logo of the council, top right in the illustration above, as well as its slogan, Ubique Omnipresent, appear to emphasize that ambition. In his famous article about the American establishment, political columnist Richard H. Rovere noted, quote, the directors of the CFR made up a sort of presidium for the part of the establishment that guides our destiny as a nation. It rarely fails to get one of its members, or at least one of its allies, into the White House. In fact, it generally is able to see it that both nominees are men acceptable to it. Until recently, this assessment had indeed been justified. Thus, in 1993, former CFR director George H.W. Bush, who I have no relation to, okay, other than I respect him because he was a former U.S. president, was followed by CFR member Bill Clinton, again, who I have no relation to other than respect for the fact that he was a former U.S. president. And that name came up in, uh, in converse, uh, discussion with, uh, with Jay as uh, being tied to... Uh, Carol Quigley, who in turn was followed by CFR, quote, family member George W. Bush. Hmm. In 2008, CFR member John McCain lost against CFR candidate of choice Barack Obama. 
who had received the names of the entire cabinet already one month prior to his election by CFR senior fellow, and Citigroup banker, Citigroup banker Michael Froman. Froman later negotiated the TPP and TTIP free trade agreements before returning to the CFR as a distinguished fellow. It was not until 2016 election that the council couldn't apparently prevail. At any rate, not yet. So back and forth with the Trump administration, where he stands, who he represents. And I take no sides. I try to deliver to you a neutral, unbiased, unreligious message every week. And I aim to bring in a guest to do the same, though not always, and that doesn't really matter, but the bottom line is typically incredibly important. We need to unify under our constitutional rights. Those are inalienable rights that every human being walking this planet deserves. And those are my final words for today, Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018. Thank you for tuning in to Discussions of Truth. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Support Jay. Buy his book. Buy my book. If this is the type of resource and outlet of information that you appreciate, fund it. And you can do that at winwoodradio.com. You can do that on my website, iantrotier.com. I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R.com. And until next week, folks. Have an incredible week. Do something great for somebody. And last but not least, be awesome.